Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi guys, and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Siobhan, my co-host name is Levens. Hi. And um, every week we read an enormous stack of this week's comic books and let you know which are the ones that we think are good and which are the ones that we think are not so good. And you can find every comic we talk about on this show at King's Comics, which is 310 Pitt Street in Sydney, or online at kingscomics.com. Uh, so we changed that up. That was Changed fun. it up. That was fun. Yeah, what was do you think? Crazy. Let us know. Uh, <laughs> Facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Uh, this week on the show... Oh, man. DC hit the reset button. Yep. Again. Yay. And, and Marvel somehow managed to get more more online... Uh, <laughs> more hate. More, yeah, well, just more buzz in general mm. off, 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 a, off a number one issue. Um, and uh, through all of the greatness that DC gave us in DC Rebirth, um, they also managed to give us the worst comic of the year. Yay. Hands down, undisputed worst comic yeah. of the year. Uh, Maybe the worst comic I've ever read. <laughs> I've read some trash. Uh, so we were going to be reviewing the week's comics, including all the first issues that came out this week. And um, if uh, you haven't read them, there will be a few spoilers, especially with DC oh, Rebirth. Yeah. So if you haven't read DC Rebirth yet, go read it. Uh, it, you, it. It's coming back on the shelves soon. Apparently it's sold out everywhere, including King's Comics. Yeah, yeah, we sold out. We sold through 300 copies in one day, which we would... That's Not, kind of we, were, we were surprised. Right? We were a little bit surprised. Um, and they, uh, it immediately went out of print. So we're waiting on the second printing, which um, you can pre-order through kingscomics.com on June 3rd. should be up on the website by then. We're coming in on June 9th. And it's going to be like a hardcover kind of... Yeah, they're doing it like a special deluxe edition, apparently. Well, I might pick it up because, uh, yeah, we may as well start reviewing it now. This is first things first. So we yeah. review the first issue, the first issues of the new series that started in the last week. Yep. Yeah, figure out a better way <laughs> to say that. Uh, and we'll kick it off with DC Rebirth number one, uh, written by Jeff Johns and featuring a roster of some of the most consistent mm. um, artists at DC. Um, where are they, which pages are they all written? Because it's really hard to remember them and they only put the, uh, the last names on the front cover. Uh, well, it, was definitely, it was definitely like Ethan Van Syber, who's like a long time. Yep. Um, apparently a huge jerk. I don't know if I should oh, really? really say yeah, that. But <laughs> a bunch of great, great artists and huge jerks, including <laughs> Ethan Van Syver, uh, Gary, Gary Frank. Frank, Ivan Reyes, or Reyes, or Rice, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my favorites, Phil Jimenez. Mm. Um, just definitely like, you know, yeah. some of the... Some of my favorite artists that have been working at DC in the last 10 years, and, and uh, it was great to see them all in one book. Absolutely. There was a real sort of nostalgia. I mean, obviously, there was a real nostalgia value in this book, but there was something really nice about seeing some of these artists who maybe haven't been on um, huge titles at DC for a little while since the New 52. So yeah. it was cool to see 
yeah. them back. And like, you know, yeah, you, you have a book where like, you know, just in the, on, the, on the front cover, it's, it's evident that there are a lot of different artists and colorists mm. and inkers working on this, but there was a consistency all the way through. Yeah. And in a, uh, it says 80 page, but really it's about 60 something pages plus a whole bunch of, uh, of covers at the end. Mm. Uh it, it was just, yeah, it was a, a, a real consistent and good read. Yeah, I agree. I went into this, like I do all DC products in 2016, uh, very hesitant <laughs> and uh, ready to hate it. But um, look, I, I definitely think this wasn't perfect, but it's definitely the best the best Jeff Johns comic I've read since before the New 52. Definitely agree with that. It is, I mean, it's very easy to be cynical about what DC are doing, but it definitely feels like a step in the right direction. You know, yeah. they're at least... I don't know, like, it's really complicated because now there's this, like, extra backlash against DC of, like, oh, well, that's pathetic. You guys should at least stand by your guns and just do the New 52 because this book kind of reads like an apology for that whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And kind of trying to be like, no, it was a little bit intentional and now we're bringing the hope back in the form of Wally West. Yeah, which, but if anyone was going to be the the, the hope that was why why we loved the DC universe in, in, in... for, you know, he's been the Flash since since we were born, pretty much. Yeah, and you've got it. You've kind of got to have a Flash, don't yeah. you? Really, like that. That was the thing that made it the most nostalgic for me. Is that it really felt like an old DC event or something? You well, know, yeah. like an event book or a team book because it was narrated by Wally and it was told. Yeah, you know. it flips. You know, where you once had Barry trapped in the Speed Force in mm. Crisis on Infinite Earths, you've got. Um, good old Wally West trapped in this one and yeah I read this going like oh yeah Jeff Johns is back baby (laughs) I can't wait and then the realisation that this is probably going to be his last comic for a long while because he just got promoted to a very high up position in DC films hopefully righting all of these uh, the uh, Zack Snyder wrongs let's hope so Um, but yeah uh, this was just a, a great reminder of why Jeff Johns DC comics got me as obsessed with DC mm. as it did to begin with and they did bring in some things that are a little bit I don't know how I feel about, and I don't know how I feel about going into the new, um, I was about to say going into the new 52, but going out going of, the, out new, of the, new the new 52. Um, the old 52. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till we can call it that. That's exciting. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of crazy revelations in this book of like what the new status quo is going to be. So like in Justice League 50, which you're supposed to read um, in before this. I didn't. So yeah, after going, oh wow, how generous of DC to give us a uh, 80 page comic for yeah. 299. <laughs> the first thing you see is make sure you read uh, Justice League 50 and Superman 52 before you're reading this. And yeah. Justice League 50 was like a 599 US comic. Yeah, and it's not great. I'm going to be honest. But there are two <laughs> things in that that they bring up that are then repeated in Rebirth. And to be honest, you don't need to read Justice League 50. I didn't. And I still um, really liked Rebirth. Yeah, so they in Justice League 50, they talk about the secret identity of the Joker which, I mean, do we want it? How spoilery? I mean... Yeah, just- so, spoilers, guys. We're going to sort of assume that you've read DC yeah. Rebirth or you don't care what happened. Uh, you know, you, I mean, most people I know, including yourself, read the spoilers. Yeah, I know. I just, I can't it's really hard to avoid. It's really hard yeah, to avoid. I'm, I'm but really, I did still click on the link. I, I, I managed to get... Um, uh, Captain America number one spoiled for myself thanks to uh, one of our listeners posting what happened <laughs> on our wall. Thanks, bro. Um, but uh, uh, I, I, I was so happy that I that I read yeah. Rebirth without having any idea of what was going to happen in it. But there's a couple of things. So, like, um, in Justice League 50, they reveal that the secret identity of the Joker is that there's three Jokers, which... It's nah. it's strange. I don't like. I don't really see that as being like a fun payoff. No. I I, I can may, maybe I, I would like it if you know maybe that would work if it, if it was if he's a leg if it's a legacy if there have been three jokers but if there are currently three jokers yeah that's just that just seems like a mess. It's just annoying. Yeah. Um. And the other thing I really just 
think seems like a weird choice is the Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman has a twin brother called Jason. Yeah. Which. Jason Todd. <laughs> That'd be cool. What was his uh, name? Jason Mormon? Yeah, yeah. He is. <laughs> Jason of Themyscira. Wonder Woman. Um, but yeah, I don't know how that's going to play out. I have enough faith in Greg Rucker and Nicholas Scott to do something interesting with that story, but um, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really read Wonder Woman comics go like, oh, you know what would make this even better? <laughs> a man. <laughs> so A male version of her? That'd yeah. be way better. But you're right. You know, it, it's in, you couldn't have a, a team more capable of doing a great Wonder Woman story, no matter what bullshit you threw at them. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah. Um, and then the other big revelation... This is the biggest one, and, and I, yeah. I have not... Regardless of how I th- thought about the comic overall, like, mm. I, I, I thought it was a bit too telly on the way. Like, it basically, you know, it didn't feel like... I, I, I wanted the pictures and the dialogue to do the talking, but instead yeah. you, you have, like, a narrative. Pretty much Wally West yeah. lets you know everything that's happened in the last five years and the many years before that, too, over the course of the comic and kind of narrates the entire thing. And mm. I thought that was a bit too much... Overall, but that's yeah. it. It is a character that I love, and it was building back to his return. And I did also find it useful as someone who hasn't especially kept up with the new Fifty Two to kind of that all spelled sure. out for me a little bit. <laughs> the reminder of Flashpoint was uh, was was pretty tough. Yeah, Ooh, that was that mm. was rough. Um, but so the big the big reveal in this is that there has been someone someone caused the new Fifty Two. Someone did that and stole ten years of DC history and legacy. Yeah, um, and I was from us. I spent the entire comic going. I wonder who they're talking about. Mm. And I should have like because the first page of this is definitely a little hint. Yeah, there's there's some subtle hints the whole way through. And uh, eventually, Batman finds uh, a a badge that belonged to the comedian with a little splat of blood on that smiley face that, that pin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then finally, sorry, by the way, I'm extremely sick. And yeah, I, that I, I blame sick. DC. <laughs> um, and then finally, we learned that that it was uh, Doctor Manhattan who was from, from, from the Watchmen who. Uh, who, who is the guy responsible for the New 52, for Flashpoint, for, for everything that we know and love and hate about the DC Universe in the last five years. It's, it's your all- fault, Alan Moore. <laughs> that would be amazing if they <laughs> turn the scales on Alan Moore and make it just, just pin it all on him, guys. Um, and I mean, uh, I, I'm not... I'm not I'm, I don't think that there's like anything that is such a bad idea that I'm like, no, you could never do that. That's terrible. Because there's a t- there's totally a possibility they could make something interesting out of this. I definitely think so, and I and I feel like the fact that we haven't seen any um, comic announced so far that has direct immediate ties yeah, to true. the Watchmen thing kind of gives me faith that we won't see that happen immediately, and maybe they'll pop up in different mm. comics throughout the thing, and you know, all the characters have to come together to try and figure it out and work because you see. A character that I have no no uh, no connection to whatsoever, Pandora. Yeah, um, she gets exploded um, in in a similar fashion to uh, um, the comedian at the yeah. end of the Watchmen. Uh, spoilers does, for the Watchmen, which is now thirty years old. So your fault for not reading it yet. As does, and I I'm a little like again I'm a little bit confused by this. So in, um, at the end of Justice League fifty, which is also a massive issue. Um, <laughs> There is Alman who has been like hanging around the DC universe for a while, and I don't know if he's supposed to be the same as the Watchman Alman, but he gets also exploded by Doctor Manhattan when he's right. sitting in the Mobius chair. Right. Um, and I, so I'm kind of assuming that he is the Watchman version, and they also reference a character in this called Mister Oz, who like assume is Ozymandias. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just those things make me go like, oh, don't do that. That seems lame. I just don't like the idea of. I just don't see those characters fitting in the DC universe. I see Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, Dr. Manhattan, because he's the most, like, sci-fi kind of magic. And, and I don't know, I mean, like, someone's already had the theory that, that, uh, that one of the Jokers is the comedian. 
Mm. Which that would just be a hot, hot mess, a big, big, disgusting mess. Unless they do it like the Cesar Romero Joker, and they just put the face it. paint over his mustache. <laughs> um, but I mean, just on a pure surprise value, I have not been that surprised by a mainstream superhero mm. comic ever. Yeah, I was, just it was, it was a bit. Of, I was a bit like, even though I had already spoiled it for myself, I was still like, huh, that's yeah. crazy. I just did not see it coming. Yeah. It was the last thing that I thought would happen. And I think, you know, it, it comes off the back of Before Watchmen, mm. which was everyone was dreading. But now that looking back, it was fine. It was fine. And, and uh, once they'd opened that door, they were never going to. Exactly. They were never I don't, I don't really again. have a problem with them using the, the Watchmen characters in their, no. in, the, in their universe. You know, they own them and... Might as well. Alan Moore is never coming back to DC to, to, to use them again, so someone may as well. Yeah, totally. And and no matter what happens to them from here out, you always have that, you know, perfect perfect yeah. twelve issues of the Watchmen and nothing is gonna take that away from <laughs> from from you. So yes. yeah. Yeah. So look I think overall this is exactly what I needed to be excited about DC mm. this year. I agree. Um, and whether or not all of the all the new we, we, we get like a handful of number ones this week. We got Batman, Superman, Green Arrow, and Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not they they, they you know, have that same strength through mm. those comics, I don't know. I mean, th- this was just a. I mean, you compare this to Flashpoint, mm. which was a totally. five issue event that led to the New Fifty Two, and that was just trash. It was really trash. Got yeah. some good stories out of it, but mostly trash. You got that excellent story of. Um, Oh, uh, you got one good story. Yeah, that was about to say. where uh, where where Thomas and Martha Wayne survive the death of Bruce Wayne. He he yeah. dies at the hands of Joe Chill when he's a child, and then they become Batman and and the Joker respectively. That was cool. Just spoiled that one too. Sorry, no, uh, <laughs> should have read it by now. Um, so yeah, DC Rebirth. I'm I'm in. I'm all in. We are going. We've 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 said since the very first episode of uh, mm. series issues that we're going to read every single um, issue of uh, the DC Rebirth line, no matter what. So you know, but this, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I, think, I am excited. And given that we're about to go into what I think is the most boring Marvel event. Oh my god! Since I I've know. been reading Marvel comics, um, I think we who like I never saw this coming, but we might be reading more DC comics than Marvel ones by the end of the year. The balances. It's time for the balance to shift. Yeah, definitely. But they're still, they'll, they'll never make better movies than Marvel. Ever. No, that's true. They never will. <laughs> um, although, Jeff Johns, who knows? We mm. never know. Uh, so let's move from DC to Marvel. Um, of course, the biggest controversy was not about the ridiculous reveals of um, DC Rebirth. It was of the li- the final page of this seemingly, for me, like innocent and, you know, just another comic yeah. to me. I- yeah. I was very surprised by the, um, the amount of online hatred that this has gotten it's pretty crazy death threats and people saying that they were going to just stop reading marvel comics forever yeah um we had a a, a listener uh write in um wayne wrote in and said that uh he uh he asked if um we thought it'd be a great great topic for us to talk about on the show um he wanted to say that the, he wanted he thought the reaction is totally over the top and that that people, all the readers, kind of taking such offence should be ashamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he wanted to know what our, our thoughts are. So we will tell you, Wayne. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, this is Nick Spencer's second Captain America comic that he's writing at the moment. Of mm-hmm. course, he's also writing Sam Wilson Captain America, which I caught up on all the issues um, with uh, art by good old mate, the one who we really like. That we Daniel? said, yeah, Acuna, Acuna, Daniel Acuna. Mm. Um, he does. It's it's a really really great run. Yeah, it is um, a good run. And uh, I I wasn't sure of it at first, so I stopped reading it. But then I went back and read it all. I'm like, what was I thinking? This is great. Mm. Um, this is him writing. Steve Rogers is now young again after the events of um, Pleasant Hill, um, standoff, Avengers standoff, and um, you've got Jesus Sayus or Jesus Sayus um, doing art on this. Really 
great work by him. Yeah. I think that this is like I don't know if it's um I mean I've always I've always been a fan of Mr. Says, but um You've this seems like Jesus. I'm I'm a big fan of Jesus. Um but this is a really lovely looking book, I think. I've really done a really good job. Don't like the colours at all. See, I thought the colours were quite good. No. I thought it sort of anyway. It looks a bit gross. <laughs> um uh, that was my biggest complaint from the comic, not certainly not the final page. Uh, so yeah, Steve Rogers is young again, but uh, his best friend Sharon Carter is not his best friend. <laughs> that's all. They're just friends. They're best friends. They're friends who kiss. That's all. <laughs> I do think that's interesting because all of a sudden I was like, why is everyone drawing Sharon old? And I, I, I of- even forgot. I read the comic in which she becomes old because she gets trapped in the dimension in the, in the Rick Remender oh, run, and then she comes back out of that, that, and she's old. I thought that they just naturally aged her. No. And just all of a sudden been like, okay, now she's older because we said so. No, because I read the free comic book day issue and we talked about it on the show and you were like, why is she old now? I'm like, she's not old. Jesus says just can't draw women. (laughs) But he can. He can. um, She's totally old. Yeah. Um, But I kind of like that. I I like that they're still like, you know, having a romantic relationship and it's not like a crazy idea that a young looking 90 year old man is dating an older looking younger woman. Yeah. It was very, very confusing. Um, I was bummed that you get you get the tease of um, Bucky and Sam Wilson on the uh, on the front cover of this, and neither of them are in this issue. My favorite but, team up. Uh, I was stoked to see that um, we get Jack Flag, mm-hmm. um, who was a one time uh, sidekick yep. to, to Cap, and um, who else is the other person? Oh, I forget what Someone her name else. is. A female version. Yeah, uh, Jackie Flag. <laughs> Free Spirit is Free her Spirit, name. There right. you go. Um, and they they go on a mission, blah blah blah. Um, to they're trying to catch Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo has um, that scientist guy from Sheldig, <coughs> the guy from the Thor movies. Yeah, <laughs> um, he has him captured. And um, you know, it's all cosmic cosmic cube stuff. And then it, the story is also interspersed with um, the rise of this sort of ultra right wing fascist version of Hydra led by the Red Skull across the US. Um, I actually I like this issue because there's quite a few little story threads that are really interesting. Like, so you also get the story of a young Hydra um, operative, operative, and you sort of follow his life and see how sort of the one good, the person who um, you know made a difference to Steve's life and put him on a path to where he could become Captain America wasn't there for um, this young Hydra operative, and he fell in with the wrong crowd and stuff. So it's quite a sympathetic, interesting look that we don't usually get um, in superhero comics. It's also interspersed with a story. From Steve's childhood. Yeah, which kind of suggests that, that maybe he's been a Hydra sleeper agent this whole time. Yes. Um, spoiler alert, he definitely hasn't. He, I mean, the thing, like, I just think the first thing that needs to be said is that there is no universe in which Marvel Comics owned by Disney are going to turn around and be like, Captain America's a Nazi. <laughs> like, they have a lot of money invested in that character. And there's just no there's just no way they would do that. Of course not. Like, it's and, just and, crazy. And, like, so people are saying that they're going to boycott Marvel Comics. How could they do this to Jack Kirby, who was Jewish and created Captain America? How could they do this to, to readers who obviously hate Nazis? Um, <laughs> people who have not been reading Captain America for years. But people are just upset at the thought of it. But, like, I mean, you know, Hydra isn't just Nazis, for one. Yeah, Hydra are not explicitly Nazis. They have been used as a Nazi analogue a couple of times, but they are are fascists, but they are not Nazis. Yeah. Um, And uh, I I think, you know, given what's going on in in Marvel, especially in Captain America's world, Mm. like the Red Skull at the moment has Charles Xavier's brain. 
in his head. Oh, does he still? I think so. Oh, that's um, so, like, it's you know, it's it's possible that that he's basically gone back, or, or even if he doesn't have the brain anymore, that he at some point he's gone back and created these memories within Steve, yeah. and maybe Steve thinks that he is a Hydra thing, or maybe that maybe, maybe some, Steve is playing the long con, or maybe there's some weird cosmic cube thing that we don't understand exactly. yet. Like, there's just this. It's just not going to be what maybe, you think it is. <laughs> read the fucking issue, the <laughs> yeah, next read issue, the issue first, and then and then judge it as a whole, not as like I mean, he's 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 Nick Spencer is a clever writer yeah. who has hooked everybody with this crazy like oh my god, Cap yeah. says Hydra on the last page of this. What's he going to do next? Like I don't understand why you would be outraged at this. Like at 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 worst, you can be like, oh that's cheap, yeah, like you know. But but most People most most final it. pages of comics mm. are. So, and I mean this this definitely like. It's definitely been compared a lot to, I mean, when 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 they brought Bucky back, everyone's favorite character, Bucky, with his Winter Soldier arm, everyone was pissed about that. People were so mad about that. There were so many complaints. Brubaker got death threats. Brubaker is still getting death threats for about this, this Captain issue. America comic. He hasn't written Captain America in like six years. Um, this is exactly like, and we saw it again with... Um, the superior Spider-Man. Everyone was like, Doc Ock is raping Mary Jane because, you know, he's inside Peter's head and he's going to trick her into having sex with him. And that obviously never happened because it's a Marvel comic book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just insane people. Yeah, it I, is insane uh, people. It is insane people. <laughs> and it's, it's frustrating because I've seen a lot of people whose opinions I respect on comic books and who I've had regular conversations with about comic books getting really upset about this, having not read the issue. Read the issue at least first and I will have a conversation with you about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 15 years ago, they did not have Twitter or social media or yeah. any of this shit. That, that, this is, that's the only reason people are getting upset about yeah, this yeah. is because they have the option of, you know, yelling, yelling their out thoughts out without even fucking reading the issue to begin with. Yeah. They just, yeah. And I hate that so many websites chose to use that fir- that last page yeah. as the image for their for their article about mm. this. So it, it was impossible not to have this spoiled for you. And I'm like, I mean... It's going to be a compelling story, I yeah, think. Definitely. The first issue was great. It was really well told. I was really and hooked. it sets up so many different things. And yeah, you know, it's, yeah. I, I, I think if, if you finish this issue and, and that's that's your final take from it, you probably should reassess why you read comics. Yeah. And I mean, I really like the idea that, the idea that this could somehow ruin Jack Kirby's legacy <laughs> or do anything to touch Jack Kirby's legacy. Like, he's, he's, Jack Kirby, not any... Like, Nick Spencer couldn't write anything to touch his legacy or to disrespect him. I heard someone say, way to spit on Jack Kirby's grave. And yeah. I was like, that's that's so extreme. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's a way worse thing to write than yeah. Captain America saying, Hail Hydra. Like, Jack Kirby was a real man. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's very difficult. Because so, obviously, obviously, we at Serious Issues are anti-Nazi Cool, I just want to put that out there. Anti-anti-Semitism. Thanks, 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 thanks for being so brave and putting that out there. I know a lot of podcasts wouldn't go as far to say that. but um, And so people are very upset about this and you don't want to be rude to people when they're being upset about things that they, you know, think are legitimate. But it's just read read the issue first. Yeah, definitely. You know? um, we're on board. I think this is... Uh, you know, it's, I, I was like, can we really have two Captain America comics coming at the same time? These are can. very different. Yes, we can. Um I will say, um, this is an ongoing little report that we're going to have to do, is Maria Hill bad or good? Every writer seems to <laughs> think knows? something different. I like that Nick Spencer, because um, I, I have said before that I think she's really inconsistently written, and I 
agree with that, but I especially like the way Nick Spencer writes her as this, like, extremely casual cavalier, like, yeah, you killed a bunch of people, but it was cool on YouTube. I'm down with the kids. Yeah. Like, it's really bizarre. So uh, but I, I kind of like it. But he, I mean, he, he writes her really well. If he you writes know. her extra well, sassy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now on to a, a comic that you absolutely have every right to complain about because it was as bad you a comic should be out as this if you're going to be outraged at any comic you should be this outraged this comic spits on the graves of everyone you know <laughs> and love this comic has gone into the future killed you wait for your body to be laid to rest and just spat all over it yeah absolutely that is what this does scooby apocalypse oh my god um by a uh, in- incredible creative team oh. of jim lee keith giffen um what's his name Mateus. uh JM. JM Mateus. What did JM stand for, huh? Jerkman. Yeah, Jerkman. And um, Howard Porter on art as well. Um, The whole thing is just baffling. Like, we knew from the start this Hanna-Barbera kind of retelling, the edgy Hanna-Barbera DC comics. Beyond Future Quest, which I think is going to be one of my favorite comics of the year, this is and and I was like, oh cool, what a great start to this. This yeah. is just fucked. <laughs> like, and I was reading it like, I actually, I actually can't believe it's this bad. Like the dialogue is genuinely terrible. Yeah. Um. So Velma is like a potentially like evil midget midget, midget scientist. scientist. Um. And then Shaggy is like a like hipster barista who works in a science lab because he's a a dog trainer? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. And then, <laughs> and then the, the 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 dog Scooby Doo is uh can he has like a uh, like this tech that he wears around his eye and it shows emojis. But here's the thing: he can also talk. He can also talk, so it's completely useless. Why would you need that? I will say that the one thing is that um the only thing that this the only thing that I enjoyed were a few tiny moments with Scooby talking, and I think that's just the enduring. Um, legacy of Scooby Doo. Legacy of Scooby Doo, and how funny it is to put R's at the front of words. Yes, um, <laughs> that was the only bit I enjoyed. And then, when he goes, Rizzo. <laughs> Fred is a um, like a tribal tat, but still has his red scarf. I mean, actually, uh, uh, Fred and um, Daphne are still very nothing characters. So at least they got that part of their their characters yeah. right. Very nothing, but still at the same time, massively irritating because there's like a bit of an attempt to make them interesting. Like, Daphne is, like, the sassy, egotistical host of a late-night news program. Who, who and used to be a serious journalist and blah, blah, blah. And, and also, they're uh, at Burning Man. They're at Burning Man. But the, the but Burning Man is next door to a science lab. It's on top of a science oh, lab. God. <laughs> like, um, the, like, we can't even express what happens in this comic properly because it's just, it's so nuts. And I think, like, more than anything, this proves that Jim Lee is completely disconnected from young people and humanity yeah. and should be fired. <laughs> I mean, like in, like, in fairness, this was just based on a concept by Jim Lee. So I'm pretty sure just the front cover, he was a picture. He was like, oh, imagine if Scooby-Doo was radical. Yeah. And then Howard Porter and J.M. Keith I think, Giffen I think- and J.M. Mateus. Just ran with it. I think leave Howard Porter out of this because he out of. I mean, like, it's not given good, what he's. I oh, know, but I mean, look what he has to work with. I know it's fine for what he has to work with. Like, the colors are the, very weird. I don't understand why you would get two writers who haven't really written anything fantastic since like the late eighties, early nineties yeah. with their um, Justice League interna- international run. Yeah, is, is that what it called Justice League International? Yeah, just um, yeah. 
Keith Giffen and J.M. Mateus, like they're, they're, well, they would be like well into their 60s or 70s <laughs> yeah, right, now, right now. Why would you get them to write dialogue for an edgy, youthful recast of Scooby-Doo? I don't understand. Yeah, it's very, it's very bad. Yeah, like the I think- jokes don't hit the the, <laughs> the there were so many bits that I was like, this is just so funny. Like it's so overwritten as well. This, yeah. this took this took longer for me to read than it took for me to write the read the eighty page rebirth issue. Yeah, this is like a really exhausting read as well. I really liked the bit where <laughs> Velma goes like, here, read this, and Daphne picks up a like um. What are they called? Book? <laughs> a thing with papers on it. Um, and she just clipboard? goes, yeah, a clipboard with some papers on it. And she goes, oh, what? Just a bunch of random papers? Like, she can't read? It's <laughs> so weird. Yeah, awful. I kind of like Scooby and Shaggy's, um, like, origin story at the end. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know if it just wasn't as bad as the, as the main story. Yeah. But I don't understand why, like, like, I mean, at least, like, Scooby, Velma, Fred, and Daphne kind of look like how they used to look like Shaggy just doesn't there's nothing about him it's that almost like they're trying to make Shaggy like hot or something yeah <laughs> like it's Who something wa- really no creepy. one wants to fuck Shaggy no that's not <laughs> that's not the point of Shaggy they also imply in this that Shaggy wants to fuck Velma mm. like I mean uh yeah, this is just an absolute mess of a comic. I kind of want to read too. Yeah, I'm going just because I want to see this disaster continue. Because I hate myself. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I just think yeah, this is like just like Batman v Superman is the like the the, the movie that's bad enough for me to go. Oh, X Men Apocalypse is pretty good because <laughs> um, it's not Batman v Superman. This is the comic that I will like the bad comic that I now I will now judge all bad comics. Like every comic that yeah. I said was bad on the show is now like a ten out of ten yeah. compared to how bad this comic was. It was really. This is really bad. Yeah. It's very it's very weird because DC have also put like they put a lot of money behind promoting the Hanna Barbera thing. Especially especially this, especially this is like the flagship title. There were like ten variants for this issue. I mean, it's it just seems weird to me that you would be like, let's let's do a young updated version of this and not give it to young people to do something. Totally. Like I mean, imagine if you'd given it to Brendan like, Fletcher. Yeah. I mean like come up what's your idea of Scooby-Doo. Well, Ryan North. Or, like... Because, like, that's the thing. These he, Like, Scooby-Doo is a comedy show a comedy. At, at the base of it. It isn't this, like, gloomy... Like, in, the, in the, fir- the first page, Velma, like, talks about the, like, uh, the, the state of humanity and why oh. it's important to have hope. God, horrible. Absolute trash. Real. Fuck this comic. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for... Because uh, the next uh, Hanna-Barbera comic we have is... Um, the, oh, the Wacky, wacky Races, races meets mm. Apocalyptic Mad Max, mm. which will be not good. But what? even worse than that is the super creepy Flintstones comic. Oh my God, I know! I'm I so just, excited. What a mess. I mean, I, I'm very excited to read these. Absolute <laughs> I'm almost, trash I'm almost fires. interested in the um, Wacky Races one just because um, Mark Sexton, who did the uh, storyboards for Mad Max Fury Road and designed a lot of the cars for it, did a lot of the designs for that. So I'm interested to see some cool car designs. Yeah, I want to see what, what edgy Muttley looks like will he wear emoji glasses like scooby-doo as well it's so dead. and you know what's even stupid i'm sorry we will stop talking about this we don't have but to it's specifically the rest of the, the, thing e- that's really the, rest annoying the, about the emoji things is they're not even like they didn't draw them big enough to really see so there's a bit where like they eat some organic pizza or something and they're like oh this is disgusting because it's organic um and Scooby puts out like a poo emoji, but it's drawn so tiny I couldn't even tell. And so they had another line of dialogue. <laughs> like it was just Yeah. Anyway. 
No good. No good. Um, back to Marvel quickly for <laughs> Nighthawk number one, a character that I previously knew nothing about. This is written by David F. Walker with art by um, Ramon Villalobos. And it should be said that the uh, absolute best thing about this comic is Ramon Villalobos's art. Mm. Um, very um, uh, re- remi- reminds me a lot of um, Chris Burnham's work on um, on Batman Incorporated. Um, also, it's like a little bit of like... Obviously not, but a little bit of Frank Quietly and the sort of... Oh, um, I mean, yeah, I would say the same thing about Chris Burnham. You know, well. the they're, texture and they're, stuff. They're, they're, they're all in the same kind of school of, mm. of, of, of art, for sure. Um, in fact, uh, Ramon Villalobos was the guy who drew the... Actually, yeah, it's, it's totally, totally works. So he drew the art in um, Chris Burnham's uh, Battleworld tie-in last mm. year, which was re- returning to Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly's New X-Men universe. So, you know, I think they're, they're definitely all in the same little league there. Yeah, totally. Um, Ramon Villalobos hasn't done that much so far, and I hope this book launches him in, uh, into one of Marvel's biggest stars or, you know, comics' biggest, you know, mm. artists, because his art is awesome. Really good. And he's, you know, Works he's, really well in this title as well. Great action, a little bit of blood. Mm. You know, it's great, great fun. So Nighthawk is kind of like a Batman analog. Is that kind of or, the or way almost it like is? a Punisher? Yeah, like, like he's sort of he's like a Punisher. more ruthless <laughs> street Punisher. Street Punisher. So he kills people, I think. Yeah, kill people. Hell yeah, he kills he kills a whole bunch of people in this comic. Um, it's this remind it even you know it was quite similar to Becky Cloonan's um, Punisher run that just started her number one mm-hmm. of that. You kind of have you know this one. One one character taking on a, a big group of people, mm-hmm. um, as Punisher has done many times before. But um, while uh, Nighthawk is you know almost as quiet as Punisher while he's uh, in in all the action, he is talking to a reformed criminal on the other line. He's got a little headset in, and she's giving him intel. Um, she is a reformed criminal and a robotics expert called Tilda Johnson. Useful, and, yeah. And I, I thought their their dialogue, or rather mm. her dialogue, to him. And he, he barely ever repeats. I thought was really great and just a good, you know. I, I love I love having a massive action scene going on while dialogue that doesn't really relate to yeah. what's immediately happening. I think I, I always really enjoy that. Yeah, really and great action scenes as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. This was a super fun comic. Um, and uh, really gross bit at the end. Ugh. Yeah, a whole bunch of fingers in someone's mouth. Not in a cool way. <laughs> when is it ever? In court? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you can be into whatever you're into, but <laughs> I, I, I think yeah. I mean, like again, it has like a that that same gross out final mm. page that Becky Cloonan's Punisher number one had as well. Yeah, totally. But uh, I'm going to stick with this. This is a cool comic, and um, same. I kind of made me want to. I really a few Marvel comics recently, especially the Ultimates, have been finishing their issues with, by having like, hey, did you like these characters? You can read more of them in these issues. Mm. And I really wish that this had that because I have no idea where the, apparently this Nighthawk comes from a different dimension. Yeah, isn't it? He's, he's, he's a soul survivor. He's of, the same, like, is he from the same world as Hyperion? I'll check it out. Mm. So is this guy in Squadron Supreme as well? I thought, I thought that was it. Right. I'll check it out. Um, I'll, but do way my, I'll do than, my homework. Way better week. than Hyperion. Oh, this is a million times better than Hyperion. Mm. Nighthawk, number one. Uh, check it out if you like uh, fun crime books with a lot of gore, but a lot of funny lines too. Yeah, totally. Um, just quickly, I read, picked up the first issue of um, a. Uh, Troy Little's take on Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, so this is a weird comic that I'm not sure why it exists mm. um, because this was released as a graphic novel um, last year through Top Shelf and it was in full color. Uh, and it was the entirety of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas adapted by Troy Little, written and drawn by him or like adapted and drawn by him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is like the first chapter and it's, reprinted as a comic, an extra overstuffed comic, and it's in black and white. And I don't think it's 
it works in black and white. I think, like, I mean, Troy Little is a fantastic cartoonist. Yeah. Um, but it is slightly hard to read in black and white. Yeah, he, he Troy Little. Just very active. Just Troy Little most recently did the um all the that great Powerpuff Girls run mm. year before last through IDW. Yeah, he right. Wrote, he wrote and drew that. It was a great fit. So I mean, he's he's an ec- excellent cartoonist and. Yeah, I mean the pages are really great, and if you like Contrast Thompson, if you're into Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, probably check it out. But um, I'd but, probably I'd probably check out the. No, colored, no, honestly, the colored the, one. <laughs> just just looking at the this the um the preview of the of the the graphic novel online. Mm. With all the color through it, I was just like, "Why? Why am I reading this? this? Is way better than, mm. than this one." So, look, I'm not sure why this exists. It has some has a cool little backup, like four pages of Troy Little um, taking this book on tour and him writing a Hunter S. Thompson style um, report on on his adventures while while taking this on tour in the same car that Hunter S. Thompson drove in yeah. his initial adventures. So, um, if you're interested in paying 4.99 US for four pages of autobiographical comics, be by all means be my guest. Or maybe you want to color this in. That's a good point, actually. Adult comic books are all the rage. Yeah. <laughs> so that's first things first. Um, we have a stack of comics to get through. Yeah, gee whiz. So uh, we had we had some um, a f- quite a few emails and uh, and Facebook posts that we were going to mm. address this week, but I don't think we're going to get around to it because there's mm, a, a lot to, to get through. Yeah. Um, the two biggest comics I want to talk about this week are comics that Siobhan didn't read. So Yay. apologies to Siobhan. Um, but she read something that I didn't read, so yeah, we can, read we can, we can not hear is. from me soon. Um, <laughs> they were the final issues of runs that I've been following for quite some time. Um, we got the 12th issue of The Omega Men by Tom King and um, ba- Barnaby Begender, brilliantly named Barnaby mm. Begender. Um, the Omega Men um, has been like a really dramatic kind of space opera um, tying in... Uh, Basically, like different beings from different planets in the in the DC universe, including Kyle Rayner, the uh, one of the Green Lanterns. Well, now he's he's been a White Lantern for the most part of the New Fifty Two, um, and kind of it's been almost like kind of depicts the the lead up to the war. And the last few issues have been the actual war itself, and now we finally get the end of the war. And how do all the characters feel moving on, um, and and what happens to them after the after the war? Do they all get what they want? And uh, what's going to happen to Kyle Rayner next? And it's you know it's it's a, it's a pretty grim ending, mm. to, but that suits the tone of the overall book. Um, uh, it's a great 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 little look at at what makes Kyle Rayner t- tick. Um, I don't know if we'll be seeing many of the char- many other characters that we see in this book ever again. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this is going to be one of the great standalone stories. One of the few. I mean, and we should talk about this actually because mm. um, I know that you read a DCV, a New Fifty Two book this week as well. Yeah, I read that uh, that I kind of wish that I was reading. Um, you know, they're, they're, even though it's pretty easy to shit on New Fifty Two in, de- mm. in general, there were definitely a few runs that that, that should be celebrated, and the Omega Man is certainly one of them. Um, do you want to talk about? Yeah, your yeah. Lunch, I picked Siobhan? up. Um, I picked this, and this is a comic that I've only recently sort of heard people really. Um, going on about like people were really enjoying um this run of superman lois and clark mm-hmm. written by dan jurgens with art by someone called weeks who i don't know um and this is much more like i mean so the whole story i think in this is that it's the pre-new 52 um clark Kent. yeah which is superman. why everyone loves it right because the yeah. preview superman is actually good yeah um and, and so and he and lois dead. yeah he and lois <laughs> we didn't somehow- even talk about that because uh, in uh, Rebirth, uh, Superman oh, yeah. dies. Yeah, Superman <laughs> dies, and just no one—it's not really a big deal. Because yeah, we've got—we've got another one. Thank <laughs> yeah, goodness. Maybe even two. Um. So in this one, it's all—it's all about the pre-52 Lo- uh, Lois and Clark who have come across somehow into this universe, and they've had a son who is now, um, in this issue, sort of 
discovering his powers. Yeah. Um, which is really good fun. <laughs> it was actually been penciled by Lee Weeks, oh, who go. is uh, an incredible artist and writer who has done really good, lots of great stuff on Daredevil. In oh, the past okay. And uh, other. I wasn't, I'm not familiar, but like great work on this. Really sort of, I love a beardy Superman. Mm-hmm, definitely. Nice. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the few superheroes that look great with a beard. Mm, totally. Works really well with the. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, So this Superman has kind of behind the scenes been fixing things as well. Um, trying not to bring too much attention to himself while still being Superman. So in this in this issue, it's sort of his son dealing with finding out that his dad is Superman, coming to terms with the fact that he has powers, coming to terms with the fact that he knows his dad's away um, fighting and could potentially not come back someday um, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And it's just a really, it was a really nice issue, really good. I'm really looking forward to see these characters continuing on into DC Rebirth. Yeah, I mean, how cool that we get the main Superman has a, has a son now. Yeah, fun. Comics that deal with family and relationships as well as a lot of superhero stuff. That's what makes it interesting. Absolutely. In fact, ties into another thing that I, I, I caught up on this week. I caught up on Invincible by yeah. um, Robert Kirkman and uh, Ryan Otley on art. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I read the last 30 issues. I stopped reading at issue 100. Okay. And uh, I caught up recently on uh, th- this week, actually, which is why I didn't read all of the comics in my stack this week because I re- just got addicted to just catching up on Invincible. Um, it didn't take very long, but... Um, yeah, I'm up to date now, and uh, at the moment it's being drawn by uh, Casey Walker, who was the um, guy who actually uh, was the first artist to work on Invincible, and so Ryan Otley, who's done like, the last 120-something issues, is finally taking a break for cool. the monthly schedule for six issues, and they have the original creator, alongside Robert Kirkman, working together again, which is pretty great. Um, I think it might be more, more fun to read than Walking Dead. Yeah. I assume so. Oh, I mean, like, I mean, yeah. Sorry, that fun wasn't the right word. I think I, think I might, enjoy, I think I might enjoy it more right, as a comic okay, yeah. than Walking Dead. And, and you know, it's, it's always the, the joke is that no one reads Invincible. Mm. I mean, they do, but compared to Walking Dead, it doesn't get anywhere near the, the numbers. Yeah. But but people who love that series like love that series and are really devoted to it in a way that you can see like it's really rare to have the same writer 
write 130 issues of yeah. a series. And it, he's created a whole universe and he's not afraid to really fuck things up in that mm. universe and stick with it, which is something that, you know, the big two never do. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it, no one's it, writing death threats to... Well, no. I'm sure he's gotten some death I'm threats sure over time. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, everyone you love has gotten death threats at some point. It's the sad, sad, sad thing about comic books. It's true. It's true. Actually, there's a video game called um, No Man's Sky coming mm. out in June this year this big mm-hmm. kind of like exploratory space game and they announced that they are going to be delaying the game's release by seven weeks just seven weeks yeah and the creators are receiving death threats what's wrong, what's so wrong with fucked. the internet what the what's hell wrong is wrong with people internet, guys like why shouldn't you, like death threats be like the, the most final thing ever you have yeah. to send that to a creator of a game because you have to wait just under two months to play it yeah also they're making it for you to play fuck off like <laughs> you have you have other games I'm yeah. sure um, but should we quickly talk about some some little things in the new feature that that we've been uh, enjoying? I know you've been reading. Yeah, absolutely. Batgirl. I finished. Um, so it was last issue of Batgirl. Finally, even though I thought it was kind of about two issues ago, and I kind of wish they had just tied it up two issues ago. But this was kind of fun. It was a crossover with Gotham Academy. Oh, cool. um, you get to see this kind of what I assume are the new Birds of Prey team. So that's like got Vixen and. Um, Spoiler and Black Canary and a whole bunch of those guys in it, and it sort of sets up for Babs to now be leaving Gotham. Uh, yeah, leaving Burnside and leaving leaving she's Gotham. She's going to Hong Kong, right? Isn't yeah, so she's going to Hong Kong, and I sort of um, assume this is like half gap year, half Batman training montage kind does, of thing. You does know? Cassandra Kane still live in in Hong Kong as Black Bat, or is that that die? Oh, I don't know. Doesn't she's called Orphan now, isn't she? That's right. Yeah. I don't know where she lives. Um, I hope yeah. Batman. I hope they fix all the Batman stuff. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I have faith. I have. Um, I mean, I'm really looking forward to Hope Larson's um, Batgirl series. I think that she is an excellent choice to continue on the good work that Brendan Fletcher has done. So yeah. I'm yeah. excited by that. Batgirl's definitely one of the, the especially that the Brendan Fletcher and, uh, and Babs Tar together mm. run. I think that's something I can't wait to. Uh, is it Cameron Stewart on that as well? Yeah, Cameron um, Stewart. Is on. I can't wait to go back and read that all as in, in trade um, as yeah. a final one one whole series. Um, I I think my, my favorite thing out of all the new few two is probably Brian Azzarello and. Um, uh, what is that excellent artist's name? Cliff did, Chang. Cliff Chang, um, who's now doing Paper Girls with mm. Brian K. Vaughan. Uh, their Wonder Woman run, I think, is was the best thing for me to come out of New 52. Certainly the one I got the most addicted to. I really enjoyed the um, Animal Man run that Jeff Lemire did. Yeah, that was good fun, wasn't it? Um, I didn't read all. I didn't read uh, the Swamp Thing run that um, Scott Snyder was doing alongside his Batman stuff that tied into the Animal Man run. No, and then Charles Sewell took over, which apparently was really good too. So there are definitely lots of gems in there that I look forward to, to going back and, and, and reading. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, like, we can't say that, you know, I mean, th- I think we can agree that the New 52 probably wasn't, like, the best idea ever, and it definitely, for a lot of the flagship titles, had quite a negative impact. But there was definitely some good stories told in there. You just have to kind of Pick find and choose them. the right ones, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the biggest problem was that, like, you know, your main legacy characters, like, I mean, I just didn't, I was not interested in anything Superman did. Even the no. Grant Morrison action round, I've never, I've never actually finished. Um, hey, me neither, actually. Yeah, I wish I should go and do that too. But yeah, it, they just, I don't know, they, they fucked around with characters I love way too much. And, mm, yeah. yeah. <coughs> I'm, I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm glad Rebirth is happening. Yeah, likewise. Um, I also read Adventures of Supergirl, which is not a new 52 title, but it is a DC title. I didn't like this as much because um, as I liked the first issue just because uh, changed artist and they bring in a lot more of the sort of, um, like her kind of, the people from the TV show who I don't know because I don't watch the show, um, but still quite enjoyable. And if you like the show, probably still is Ellie check Mc- it out. Is Ellie McBeal in this comic? Oh yeah, she is. <laughs> Amazing. It took me a minute because I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that that 
her Cal- boss. Callista Flockhart yes. plays Supergirl's boss. Um, but yeah, so there was a bit of confusing, but still quite good. Um, another great comic which ended this week was um, the the Luth- legacy of Luther Strode, which is the third and final uh, miniseries based in the uh, Luther Strode universe. Written so as by- he said, like he's not coming back. After this, like uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, for the for the foreseeable mm. future, this is the end. This mm. is the, and um, uh, yeah, this is written by Justin Jordan with art by Tradmore and colors by Philippe Sobrero. Um, oh, Tradmore! Tradmore, one of our favorite artists, mm. and he hasn't even done that much outside of uh, this Luther Strode series mm. and um, a really great and under celebrated um, run on Ghost Rider last year. Year before that, only um, time you could get me to read a Ghost Rider comic. <laughs> um, the craziest thing about uh, Tradmore is that Justin Jordan found him on Deviant Art and asked him to draw a comic with him, and that became the first uh, Luther Strode series. Um, basically, Luther Strode is uh, tells the story of a, a schoolboy who inherits um, incredible fighting powers and um, kind of ties into this long mythology of uh, of different people who have been chosen and given these these powers to fight. Mm. And um, you know, do you? Do you use these powers for good or for, for evil? And um, Luther Strode chooses to use them for good. Um, it's a uh, overwhelmingly gory comic in parts, but Tradmore, Tradmore's art is just so wonderfully anarchic, but also so well yeah, like put it's together. Just, His line work is just insane. and It's so, so dynamic. Everything looks like it's moving all the time. Like yep. That was the main thing in Ghost Rider, is that like you really felt like you were in these races that because the kid was driving a car and it was all sort of, you know... He loves speed lines. Yeah. And just like his action scenes are just... There's so much going on. His panel work, he he knows how to divide them up so well. And yeah, Good storyteller too. Dynamic is the right word. Um, uh, He actually was telling a a backup, um, like writing a backup story in the issues of this, which unfortunately we don't get the final the final uh, kind of <laughs> issue of in this, which is annoying, but uh, maybe we'll get it online at some point. Uh, it ends on quite a nice kind of hopeful note. If it, if a little rushed, you don't really get the closure that you maybe needed out of this series, but it's a nice, it's a nice end of the series and um, a, you know, a spectacular final, final battle. Mm, cool. I'm definitely, I haven't been reading this. I'm um, definitely going back and picking up the trade on this one. 100%. Yeah. All, all, all three of the trades are, are really, really fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all very different as well as the uh, mythology kind of side of it gets deeper mm. and deeper. Yeah. Really fun. Well done to all involved, especially Tradmore. And I cannot wait to see what he does next. I know. I, I like, you know, obviously I hope he is also fulfilled by whatever personal projects he does, but it'd be so cool to see him do more superhero stuff. So much. Yeah. I'd love to see amazing. him get to play around with that. Um, Afterlife with Archie. We finally got the most recent issue. This comic has been going for like three years and we've only got <laughs> nine issues. This is fucked. It's worth it though. It is worth it, but I wish it was it was more, more you know, concurrent. Yeah, totally. <coughs> um, this time we finally see a story from uh, the view of Reggie Mantle, who is, uh, I guess, the bad guy in Archie comics. Yep. Um, but of course, the horror side of Archie comics is way more fucked up than regular so Archie. So worse. So uh, we get a... Uh, a very, very uh, awful kind of story where we learn that Reggie Mantle is responsible for all the actions in mm. Afterlife with Archie. And is a, a borderline sociopath is sort of the oh, way they present Straight up him. is one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's quite sort of heartbreaking because you kind of get a little bit into Reggie's head and you see how sort of lonely and disappointed with himself he is. But then he just makes, he constantly makes the wrong decisions mm-hmm. and it's just, um, it's extra heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, I loved this issue. I love this series. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I, I wish it was coming out more frequently, but I get it. I yeah, mean, actually, I don't know. Why do you think this is taking so long? I think it's taking a long time because it is written by Roberto Aguirre 
Sakasa, mm-hmm. who's the sort of um, kind of head of Archie, Archie at the moment. Um, and he's also, you know, obviously a big part of the Riverdale TV series that's coming out. And he's kind of overseeing the whole of the Archie universe. So I can appreciate why it's coming out slowly. Um but I mean, you mean you, you mean don't get an extremely niche horror take on Archie <laughs> doesn't sell it, doesn't make as much money as a TV show. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. But um, the ending of this was extremely both satisfying and also makes me want the next issue to come out immediately. Well, I mean, the last panel of this makes me want to be excited because we finally see Josie and the Pussycats <gasps> in this so universe. I'm so excited. <laughs> I just love you. Know, I've, I've like, you know, compared to you, and someone actually asked if we could do a guide to. Um, to where to start with Archie Comics, oh, which yeah. we will do next week. Um, uh, you know, my, 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 my knowledge of Archie Comics is very limited compared to yours, but even I know enough to to really, like, love all the twists and turns that this is taken with different takes on the characters. And, totally. It's yeah. so fun, and it's so fun getting to see all these different interpretations of the Archie universe, because they are, like, classic characters, and I think there's a lot that you can do there. And, you know, being stuck in the kind of strip gag format means that you've gotten awesome stories and like I will never not love that but now we're getting to see some really interesting stuff and the Riverdale TV show I'm actually really excited about yeah, as yeah. well we spoke about that last week how fucked up that might be, it's be yeah. really I good. love that this ends with like you kind of see what the rest of the Archie crew are, are up against you see yeah. that um, you have uh, um, Jughead is like king of the zombies and mm-hmm. he has still wears his, wears his little crown and then Sabrina, Sabrina has like the powers of Cthulhu. Mm. Is that how you say that, that character's name? Yeah, I think so. That's about right. <laughs> Colfu. Um, and uh, Reggie Mantle is now the dark prince of their, of their team. So it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty terrifying what's going to happen next. I don't know. It's very weird. And it's also like, yeah, it's just very good. It's very good. There's a really creepy undercurrent throughout this whole series. Um, and I'm just I'm just loving it. There's lots of creepy stuff to do with Midge. If you're a big Midge fan, as I know many people out there are, it's a big Midge issue. And also it is important to say that Franco, Francesco Francovia's art is really amazing. Yes, show. definitely. Also, name one Midge fan. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a Midge fan? Who, who Reggie. Midge? <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> um We'll move back to Marvel quickly for mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, issue number five of this run by uh, many people whose names I always forget. Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters are the writers on this. Now, I'm always slightly disappointed by Captain Marvel just because I don't think that she's like been developed in strongly enough as a character. So I, I always want to like her comics, but I've never really gotten into it. So last week I talked about having trouble with this run in that the first issue was really great. It introduced basically Captain Marvel as like the head of a massive space team that includes all of the Alpha Flight members. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite um, kind of little used characters in the Marvel Universe, Abigail, Abigail Brand. Yeah, I love it when she shows up. Um, so she's like one of the, like pretty much the, the second main character in this, mm. in this book. Um, and... Uh, I loved that the first issue was really strong, but I thought it, it, it was quite slow from there. And I kind of would end every issue like, oh, why hasn't this been resolved yet? Mm. We finally get the resolve of this story, uh, issue number five, and uh, it wraps everything up really, really well. And I just think it's, you know, they should be proud that they were able to balance so many characters that, because you, you, you have a character that devotes equal time to Captain Marvel and she has her glory moments and, you know, she is a strong character in this. But you also see a ton, a ton of stuff some from Abigail Brand and all the members of... Um, uh, of Alpha Flight, including Puck, and um, yeah, cool. like it just is it, it works really well. Like they balance it all really well, and um, they wrap the story up really well as well. So yeah, I, I, I feel dumb for thinking like, come on, get on with it. But yeah, it's a uh, it's really great. But the final page has me um, like Afterlife with Archie got me excited for the next one because they say three words. Next up, the Pussycats. Uh, <laughs> I was very excited, but now um, I'm uh, a bit bummed by the final words on this one. 
which is uh, the next story is called Civil War Two. Mm. So it's going to tie into Civil War Two, and uh, of course, Captain Marvel is one of the main characters of that. Will all the good work that um, this creative team be undone by that event? Hopefully not. I had a similar moment when reading Ms. Marvel this week, um, who is a very different version of the character. Still a great comic. I mean, I'm still really enjoying this. Alphonse Alphona's art is so... Uh, Adrian Alphona's art, sorry. Um, it's so good. This is a really fun story that um, ties into the sort of stuff that's been going on with Ms. Marvel in the um, all-new, all-different Avengers team. So in this, she's at a science fair. Um, and her team's from Jersey, and there's their enemies of the team from Manhattan. And obviously on that team is Miles Morales. And um, Kamala's really conflicted because she knows Miles' secret identity, but he doesn't know hers. Right. Um, and so she's trying to use her Ms. Marvel powers to get, like, to find out what they're doing and to, like, be sneaky, like, steal their ideas and whatever. Um, and then Miles's spidey powers go off, and it's all sort of stuff happens and there's an explosion because of science and Nova shows up like, oh, what are you guys doing here as well? That's crazy. <laughs> um, and they're all just awkwardly realizing who each other, you know, actually so are. And there's a moment of recognition that Miles is like, ah, because they have a confrontation out of costume before. And right. so, um, but yeah, really nice issue. But then the end of it is tying into fucking Civil War. And- yeah. So how annoying that we get two really, really fun stories before it's going to get so serious. Yeah. Stupid event. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't they kind of say it a few times? Um, why are we Why are we fighting? Aren't we friends? Which is almost like a meta commentary on what yeah, Civil yeah. War is all about. Yeah, totally. Um, also, some really funny like pretend science in this. So, like <laughs> the um, Jersey team, their big like here's our crazy science project is like they call it Sky Shark, and it's like they make a <laughs> they make like a membrane that you can keep a shark in so that like it can fly through the sky. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, cool. Um, Aliens Defiance came out this week, issue number two. This is written by Brian Wood with art by Australia's Tristan Jones. Um, and, uh, this is a really, really good comic. I missed the first issue, but picked it up a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you said, and I, um, cause I'm not usually a big fan of the Aliens comics, but I, I picked this up, but then didn't have time to read it because I was reading Scooby Apocalypse three times. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is just a really really excellent um, comic that I feel like you could enjoy without having watched the Alien movies. Oh, cool! Um, That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, like you, all you need to know is that aliens lay eggs in people and they're bad. Mm. And I feel like you sh- you're fine reading this. Yeah. <laughs> um, this tells a story of a um, a lone uh, female uh, space agent. I don't know what she is. She's a um, I guess she's a cadet. Um, um, and, uh, she's, it's just her and a bunch of, um, uh, like cyborgs that, um, not cyborgs, what's the actual, like just like robots, her and a bunch of like robot Marines, um, cool. taking on, uh, basically kind of, they're discovering the aliens for the first time. This takes place before the first alien movie. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's, she has a lot of, uh, a lot of reasons for it. Like she's, she's a, She's warm. She's a woman. She's black. She's like being critically injured, and she's like has like a, a back brace, and mm. um, all of the robots are aware that she's weaker than than they are, and it's her trying to prove herself to these robots, and also trying to kind of find out about these aliens while not being killed by them. And cool, yeah, it's a really really great story, and it's kind of like it, it feels small in the face mm. of like you know a massive aliens movie. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes and I hope it kind of keeps that kind of like 
creepy kind of uh, smaller thriller element yeah, to it. Yeah, I mean, that's what the story. Alien movies are so good at. Like, yeah. the first movie just feels like the smaller scale sort of scary horror movie. Totally. I love it. Yeah. I'm definitely picking that up then. Um, I also read issue two of, uh, of Joyride. Um, which uh, I don't know if you remember, but I talked about it a few weeks ago, issue mm. number one, and I said I didn't really enjoy it that yeah. much. So the story looked like it was going somewhere interesting, but I couldn't stand the dialogue of one of, of the main character. Just this, like you know, like you know, unnecessarily kind of crappily written, edgy youth dialogue. Mm. Um, but compared to Scooby Doo Apocalypse, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's written by uh, Jackson Lanzig with um, art by um, oh, sorry. Jackson Lanzig and Colin Kelly with art by Marcus Toe and colors by Irma Nivella. And um, this is like a, yeah, it's a fun space adventure comic um, featuring three very different young people. Um, two of them are in kind of like the military. It's in a, in a very different earth. Um, it's kind of, it's very, uh, you know, military state kind of okay. earth. And uh, this one girl who's kind of vibrant and loves to break the rules, yeah. um, kind of leading them through this on this weird space adventure. Um, this is a much better issue and, uh, I will, I will be sticking with this for the, I think it's only four issues long, so I'll, I'll oh, be cool. sticking with it to see where it goes. Nice. Yeah. I also read, um, I also read Squirrel Girl, which I know you didn't, you didn't check out this week. Yeah. I, I didn't get around to it. I was too busy catching up on Invincible. Yeah. And of course, rereading Scooby-Doo Apocalypse <laughs> for the Obviously. 69th time. Um, this was a really like, again, this was a really funny, funny issue sort of about, you know, ostensibly about online dating and the difficulties of that. And it's just really, Yeah. Still really good fun. Ryan North is so hilarious. Yeah, I feel um, like every single of review of Squirrel jokes. Girl will be the same from yeah, us. Like, it's, it's just really funny. Really you just funny. Read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also read Patsy Walker Hellcat, which is just another one that's also quite fun. But this had um, guest art by Natasha Allegri, who does like being puppy cat. Oh, cool. So it was extra cute. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about this comic in general? Did you did you get you more on board with the comic? Uh, I mean, like, it's just one that, like, I'll read it if it's there, but it's not one I especially care about, you know? Like, it's sure. quite... It's a bit cutesy. Yeah, it's very cutesy. It's very light. It's very Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see people, like, loving it, and I can understand why people would love it. Sure. Um, it's not especially, you know, it's not something that I'm passionate about, but it's quite fun. And at the end, they um, reveal that Jessica Jones is going to be coming into the series. So, quite cool. Oh, they did it at the end of the last issue. Oh, yeah. But now, like, they have, a, they have a chat. Oh, okay, cool. Kind of thing. Um, it was quite cool. The good thing about both Squirrel Girl and um, Hellcat is that I don't think either of them will, will be tying into Civil War. Yeah, nice. So that's exciting. Um, hopefully, we can say the same thing. I think Doctor Strange doesn't tie in either. No, um, he's got his own event. Called The Last Days of Magic, which uh, the third part of that came out this week. Um, and uh, I thought this is the first one where I was like, you know what? Maybe Chris Pacello's art is too confusing to follow <laughs> for a comic like this. Yeah, sometimes it's a little bit, it's a little bit too much. I kind of didn't know what was happening in the first half of this book. Mm. Um, all the action scenes were a bit strange, but then, uh, you know, we, we find out that he's basically trying to, after all the magics left the world, he's trying to find as many of the, uh, what, what little ma- magic artifacts are still left in the world. And mm. so they're risking their lives trying to get as much power as they can to face these science dudes trying to read the, the universe of magic. Um, we also then cut back to, uh, uh, one of the new characters introduced in this run um, who's been living with Ward in Doctor Strange's house and organising his library, and she accidentally opened the basement. And, uh, Which is sort is of like a scary monster Dorian Gray. Made entirely of pain and suffering. Nice. Um, I, I, I thought it was going to be, um, they were just going to release um, Dormammu or something like that. Oh, yeah, that uh, would have been cool. New, new villain. Huh. Um, yeah, so who knows what's going to happen next. Uh, not me. You? No, no, oh, no yeah. clue. Not um, at all. But yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought not, it was quite good. Yeah. Not not Civil War, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope not. 
I also loved the uh, the landscape cover on this, which reminded me a little bit of uh, all of the uh, Darwin Cook landscape mm. covers that he How released are you going? last year. How are you going collecting them? I have 14 of 23, nice. so I'm almost done. I'm almost nice. there. Good job. Um, Uncanny and Humans, number nine this mm-hmm. week by Charles Sewell with art by Kev Walker. Um, this, again, continues the story of um, Medusa and Johnny Blaze. No, that's not his name, is it? Johnny Storm. <laughs> I always think, well, he's a blaze of fire, so I always yeah. think he's blaze. Yeah, Johnny Storm, um, a.k.a. the Human Torch. Uh, their relationship and, um, oh my God, they have to tell um, Medusa's sister, Crystal, that they're dating because Johnny and Crystal were once married. It's very awkward. Um, and uh, she's quite upset at first, but then, wouldn't you know it, of course, they get magically teleported to a battle world. It always happens just when you're <laughs> not wanting it to happen. And then just before they're about to fight to the death, the guy who is like in charge of the battle world like chokes on his tongue and dies. And then yeah. it's about them trying to escape the battle world before it plunges into the sun. I mean, I thought that was quite a funny take on the whole, like, <laughs> oh, no, we've been taken unexpectedly to a battle world. That was yeah. kind of funny. I know, but it just funny comes, twist on comes that. out of nowhere. Like, yeah. Uncanny and Humans has been, like, not grounded is the wrong word, but, you know, it has been, like, a, quite a serious toned comic. Yeah, so far there hasn't been any battle was, It wasn't like, a, like, this wasn't really refreshing. Uh, it was just kind of <laughs> just really strange and it out was of nowhere. Just like, it was just a way for them to do the... They like, need to have a conversation about the fact that Johnny and Crystal used to be married and this is just the way it happens yeah. and now they're all friends again. And it's done. Al- it's yeah, almost yeah. a parody kind of comic. Yeah, it was pretty ludicrous. Hmm. Um, away from Marvel for one comic. Mm-hmm. Well, I eat a piece of Mandarin very rudely on a podcast, sorry. Um, Sex, issue number 28. Is very a comic. rude. This is a comic that only I read that no one else in the world reads because no I've never had, the, uh, had an opportunity to talk about it with anybody else. So... Uh, Dear listeners, if you are listening and read this comic, please let me know. I would love to have many conversations with you about sex, baby. <laughs> um, so this is written by Joe Casey with art by Piotr Kowalski. And um, it kind of tells the story of like a, uh, you know, an alternate take on, on the Batman mythology, except Batman has quit and become Bruce Wayne full time. But also he lives in a town where sex is rampant. It's sexy. And um, it's the most action kind of issue so far you actually see the uh the, the batman um character fight and um cool yeah it was it's really really good it, it's and it's there's so many amazing plot points like there's that many stories going on in this book that you only get a glimpse like literally two pages at most mm. to some of these stories each issue so they're really he's really really playing a long game when it comes to building all the stories up oh cool it's a great uh, great 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 book yeah, cool. I am also reading a really good image book that I don't know anyone else who's reading um, by Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda um, called Monstrous. It's up to issue six. This is an awesome series. If you like sort of high fantasy, um, I really I really do recommend this. It's like fantasy, but then they also they also do swears in it, <laughs> which I was <laughs> so always like, can you even do that? So it's kind of like. Yeah, it's very it's a complicated series and like they've um they've done a really amazing job. It's one of those really you step into the sort of world and it feels really well realized. Like it feels like you're just seeing a tiny fraction of this universe, which is really awesome and really cool. Um and I really recommend it. Cool. Um a new issue of Tokyo Ghost came out this week too, which I stopped reading after the first issue and for oh, some yeah. reason you're still reading. Yeah, I know. I just <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know cuz I'm it's just kind of it's very silly. It's very gory. I like the whole sort of concept of... I feel like there were a couple of books coming out at the same time that were using kind of like 
social media is drug as a sort of overarching theme. Yeah, this and this is takes like, that like yeah. really explicitly. Um, and so in this issue... So heavy-handed. Rick Remender, Sean Very heavy-handed. most heavy-handed. Yeah, but that's maybe why I kind of like it. It's just not trying to be anything else. It's like, this right. is what this is. Um, and so in this, we're seeing sort of the kind of... I mean, I guess he's sort of the hero of the book, um, except that he is a, you know, full-blown addict and destroyed all the, like, his girlfriend, supposedly, and the beautiful city that they'd found to live in in Tokyo. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely skipping over bits in this because I've just been picking up an issue here and there. Right. Um, but it's all sort of coming coming to a climax, it seems, gets some good fights in it. Um, Sean Murphy's art is really cool. And I'm just, I just like it. Yeah, I, I, I really, I think Sean Murphy is an amazing artist, but sometimes he uh, gets dangerously close to uh, the monster energy style of uh, of art, <laughs> where there's just so much cool, edgy <laughs> shit going on, and yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. It's true. I yeah, I can definitely see that, but it was kind of fun. I still like it. His figures are great as well. I really love the way he draws a, a person. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I really like the sort of uh, the lead dent character, who's just like this big hulking sort of. Bear man, I'm into it. Uh, so we've both been fans of Jason Aaron's long-running Thor run, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think this week was the first issue that I was like, that kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, like it was funny because we quite liked the first part of this story arc, but this just seemed, I mean, the art's even messier. It seems quite rushed. I don't know. I don't yeah, really know what happened. So it's like a it's it's painted art um, yeah. by Rafa Garias, who. Um, it, I swear it did not seem as rushed and crappy in the last issue as yeah. it did in this. Uh, there are just there are just parts of this where it looks like they've just kind of like scanned the same image of, like a few times, yeah, and then just blown it up and put word balloons in it at different points, yeah. <coughs> and also, the story isn't that riveting. It tells a story of uh, Loki granting Hulk-like powers to a Viking mm. um, many many centuries ago to so he can fight Thor, um, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess that kind of sounds like it has a lot more premise than, than we actually saw. I don't, mm. I'm not sure if you know the the limitations of painted art made it made the story kind of a, a bit slower than it should have been, or a bit more boring just, than it should have been. But I didn't really understand why this story was there necessarily. Like, it, do, it does feel very much like a filler because I don't see how it adds to the greater narrative. Especially like we know that Loki has crazy powers. Mm. We you don't need to tell us that. Yeah. So I mean, the the, the whole. This whole story exists to just show that um, Loki is giving um, dragon blood to the Minotaur guy, who's been um, the kind of main, uh, the main bad guy in uh, in this Thor run. So yeah, and I like I like there were a couple of moments that I did like. I like the um, so the the story throughout most of the. Um, comic is a story from Thor's history, obviously, and they sort of talk about how it's like a god still um, working to be worthy, and there's this panel of him trying to lift up the hammer and just getting it up a little bit and being like, oh, I'm still only a little bit worthy, so yeah. I'll be really worthy. I quite <laughs> like that. Um, and I also quite liked the idea that the only reason Loki is doing this is because he wants a church, and he wants people to like be worshipping him again, and he misses that. I thought that was funny. So there's a, um, a Loki story coming up soon that I've been seeing advertised in a lot of the Marvel books, and that is he's going to start running for president. Oh, yeah. I've just been kind of skipping over all of the ads for that because it sounds annoying, and I don't <laughs> I think that sounds really <laughs> I don't cool. want to acknowledge Vote it. Vote One Loki, and it's written by Christopher Hastings, who's been doing um, uh... Gwenpool. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think, I think that shows promise. That's that, that's definitely the kind of cheeky Loki antics that I want to be reading. Yeah, absolutely. I miss Lady Loki. Yeah, she was good. Also, Kid Loki. Yeah, was Kid very Loki good too. was good too. Yeah, 
Um, final Marvel comic for me is Star Wars issue 19, which wrapped up uh, the current story arc um, written by Jason Aaron with art by Lionel Yu. A um, little bit underwhelming as a lot mm. of these arcs have kind of ended up. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's still like a, a pretty okay story, but shouldn't these Star Wars comics be more than pretty okay? Also, holy shit, that's three Jason Aaron Marvel comics in one week. I was going to say, he is really writing a lot at the moment. I wonder how he's sort of... I wonder how, I wonder how yeah. he's doing. <laughs> I know Darth Vader, um, Kieran Gillen, who's writing Darth Vader, recently announced that issue 25 will be the last issue of that. Oh, okay. So I wonder if that, that's the same thing that's going to happen with Star Wars. Mm. And they'll, they'll kind of relaunch it as something else. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, you didn't read um, Worst X-Men? I, I have, I have, I'll tell you the comics that I didn't ah, get around to right, reading. Okay. This is a very interesting segment. What <laughs> didn't I read this week? What didn't I have time for? Uh, Lobster Johnson, um, Metal Monsters of Midtown, number one of three by Mark Mignola mm-hmm. and John Acuti. I really wish I got to read that but i didn't um hellcat spider-man deadpool number five by joe kelly and ed mcginnis which i'm really enjoying um darkwing duck number two nice um oh shit i forgot to talk about this in, in our first things first i'll leave uh. that for a minute um obviously squirrel girl east of west number 26 by john hickman and nick Dragotta. um x-men worst man worst x-man ever number four and weird world number six so lots mm. of my favorite comics in there i just uh yeah wow. kind of prioritize Still waiting on them yeah yeah i had a i had a couple that i also didn't get through this week but, um, How was it? Worst X Man ever. It was good. It was good issue. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Okay, good. Um, this is a lo- first things last, a new, <laughs> a new segment that I invented when I forget to uh, talk about a number one in first things first. This is uh, an, uh, one came out through IDW. Um, it is a Disney book called Magic Kingdom Comics, and a lot of the Disney books have been uh, kind of. Actually, the Darkwing Duck is quite good, but uh, it's a, mo- a modern, you know, a, 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 a brand new story written by modern writers. Oh. They kind of, you know, the, the heart's right, but this is not. This is a reprint of some classic comics by Carl Banks and other classic um, Disney Carl writers. Barks? Carl Barks. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Pedantic. I think Carl, Carl Banks was one of the Mighty Ducks. So there's a Disney <laughs> connection there. Um, Carl Barks. Um, uh, is kind of the most celebrated Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge. In fact, if you if, you, if you're an avid classic comic mm. book collector, you can go no wrong, but do no wrong by buying um fan fanographics re like hardcover reissues mm-hmm. of all Carl Bach's work. Yeah, um, so good, such a master cartoonist. Absolutely, and um, so this basically this is a uh, issue one of two. These are two two issues that are going to be collecting um all the times these classic Disney characters have gone to Disneyland. In comics, Yay. so it's. I know that sounds so strange, but it, it's it's awesome. You, it sounds you, fun. They're they're obviously not they're they're, like, they're not just going to Disneyland. There's a lot more going on. And do they of, go to Disneyland like it is normal that there is my face everywhere and like do yeah, they like, see it as being normal and fine? This yeah, it's weird. Like wow, thanks for taking us to Disneyland, Uncle Scrooge. Don't you just feel like a kid again? <laughs> I Adventureland stirs the young friskier McDuck in me. Like, cool. And they're actually just going to Disneyland. And That's my, so weird. One of my favorite specials ever was a TV special that um, the Muppets went to Disneyland. Awesome. And this kind of hits on that same nostalgic note. I don't know if you're a big old goof like me. This is such a such a fun comic and mm. just a, a great one for the collection. If you've got kids and, and you want to get them ex- even more excited for the inevitable trip to Disneyland <laughs> that you uh, are waiting them for them to turn ten, so you can go and do. Um, <laughs> this is a great a great thing that you to to, to psych them up with. Um, I, I, it cool. kind of harkens back to that. I mean, I know that Disney is so much more than just that 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 core those core Disney characters. Now, obviously, got Marvel mm. and Star Wars under their under their bonnet. But I, I love thinking back to a time when Disney was, you know, that that, that core cast of you know Donald and Mickey yeah. and Goofy and Uncle Scrooge. And totally, they're all in this comic and more. You got the uh, all of the um, Snow White characters and. 
um, Alice in Wonderland characters. It's really, really fun little it's read. Fun. And uh, definitely harkens back to a time that is just not around anymore. It's celebrating 60 years of Disneyland. So, oh, yeah. And it's, cool. a, it's a really nice bound yeah. comic too. Lovely. Really, definitely worth picking up if you're a, a Disney fan. Um, another one that I read, just quickly, just um, a graphic novel that um, has just been printed in English for the first time by Magnetic Press, uh-huh. which is really, really good. Um, story by Antoine Ozanam. Um, with art by Joel Durin. I think that Ozanam is the same guy who um, I spoke about recently, who's an Italian artist. Um, yeah, I love- did Golem. Right. This is my favorite segment. I, I, we call this like, where in the world is Siobhan reading? <laughs> <laughs> um, but this one is excellent. This is a really, really good book. It's really huge in Europe. Um, and it's really cool that we get to see it for the first time. And it's all about this sort of a secret society of people who can turn into animals, mm-hmm. like but big, cool tiger men who can still speak and fight people. Um, but it's really, really good. The art's really, really gorgeous. It's sort of a young adult book, so it's all about this young guy who doesn't realize, despite it being very obvious that his dad is a mafia boss, he's like, why do I have so many uncles and why do they all have lost, like different <laughs> last names and don't look the same? That's weird. My family's so weird, guys. Um, why do I have a bodyguard? My dad just sells fish. <laughs> But it's sort of him, all of a sudden, he gets the power of this, you know, tiger totem and can fight people. And he runs away with his bodyguard to come uh, to take his dad down. Um, and I'm only halfway through it, so I can't give a full a full review. But so far, it's excellent, and I really highly recommend it. And who, who put that out here? Um, it's called Magnetic Press. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, don't, I think that they do mostly European reprints and things like that. Is that, that on the shelves at King's? It sure is. All of this is the stuff, except for the stuff that's already sold out. It's <laughs> on the shelf at King's now. 310 Pitt Street or kingscomics.com if you want to pick up any of the comics that we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's coming out next week that we can look forward to? A whole bunch of stuff, I think. Yeah, it's a really big week it's, next it's week. It's been a, a, a pretty quiet few weeks for Image. Mm. Um, and this week is still actually weirdly quiet, but at mm. least there's a few Image titles that are... That, that, that I'm looking forward to reading. Um, you've got The Return of Walking Dead, Paper Girls, Goddamned, Deadly Class, and the final issue of this uh, run of Matt Fraction's Casanova, Acedia, mm-hmm. issue number five, which is if you love uh, extremely nutty space drama. And who um, doesn't? Uh, that's definitely one for you. Um, we've got some big first issues, of course. We mentioned earlier all the rebirth issues of this week. Mm-hmm. <coughs> also Civil War 2. Is this actually Civil War 2 issue Civil War 2 one. We've already had like two issues that seem feel like a issue one, which is confusing. You know what? Maybe it's Civil War that's making me sick. Yeah, probably. All these goddamn Civil Wars are having are just doing no more. Why no would good anyone think of Levin's health? Um, apologies to anyone who uh, have, have caught my cough uh, through the <laughs> contagious uh, podcast. <laughs> Um, we've got a um, Charles Sewell is doing a creator-owned comic on Boom called Strange Attractors, cool. and uh, we've also got a uh, brand new comic by Andy Diggle on Dynamite called Control. That's cool. I feel like I haven't seen an Andy Diggle comic in a really long time. Yeah, Wally likewise. Everywhere. Um, we also get the final story in the Spider Woman Omega Yay, um, mini event that we've been to see running how that all reading. Um, ties in. I'm also really excited about the next issue of Punisher and Moon Knight. I think that they're two really exciting Marvel series. Yep. And um, finally, we uh, very, something very exciting. We finally get issue number one of Power Rangers Pink, Woo! which tells the uh, the story of Kelly from the Power Rangers. Everyone's favorite Power Ranger. Certainly mine, uh, because she's pink. Yeah, yeah, it's my favorite color. Um, so that is it for another episode of Serious Issues. If you like what you hear, please head to iTunes and leave us a nice little review. That would be lovely. Because uh, then more people will, will find out about how good we are and then we'll keep listening and we'll be able to do bigger and better things and hopefully pay for cool hospital operations so I can never do a sick podcast again. Yay. Um, That's the real goal. 
Yeah, that's why we're doing this podcast every week. Uh, you can find us online, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast, or send us an email to seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you have ideas for future episodes mm-hmm. or questions that you want answered. Um, Siobhan, you can be found online at SiobhanCBG yep. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You don't post as much as you should be. Yeah, I know. I need to do more. This is a, uh, I also yep. used to have Twitter. Well, I mean, I still technically do have Twitter. But I don't really use it. So don't find her. Just don't. Just don't. Don't come for me at all. I'm a monster on Twitter, guys. <laughs> at Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G, which is also the same uh, username I use on Instagram. Come find us over there. Say hello. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a cool account that I've been following lately called Sydney Comic Book Guy, who mm. uh, said he, he started that account because he was inspired after listening to our podcast. Yeah, it was so nice. I follow him. He has excellent taste. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like really, really similar <laughs> taste to us, actually. So, <laughs> which um, is yeah. why I think it's excellent. <laughs> Shouts to Sydney Comic Book Guy for uh, starting a cool, cool little uh, Instagram. You should totally go and find him. Sydney Comic Book Guy. All one word. Okay, cool. I'm going to go um, crawl in the corner and die for a while. Yeah, feel better. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we will see you next week at Serious Issues, the podcast. The one you're listening to. I'm delirious. Good night. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.